0: Hi everyone welcome to the star family wisdom podcast it's so good to be here with you today i'm jenna laden the founder of star family wisdom and a former global vice president for whole foods market
1: and i'm Sinead willihan i'm a former public school special needs educator and inclusivity activist and now the podcast co-host for the star family wisdom podcast and very happy to be here, always happy to be with you, our audience, we really, really enjoy our communication with you, we always want to hear from you, like and subscribe, share with your friends, and come back for more, because we're building community here, we want you to be a part of it, and this is a community that's about busting our paradigms and bringing us into a new understanding of what is going on in the world and in the universe, in our galaxy, so on this podcast, we like to have wonderful conversations between ourselves and a amazing guests to share inspiring information and ideas with you that are going to help you on your evolutionary journey.
0: And today's episode is really special because it relates to Sinead and I's journey and some of our experiences that we have been talking about and unpacking together over the last year, especially uh, both of us are experiencers of ET contact or contact with our star family as we like to call them. And we wanted to have conversations with people who have done deep exploration on this topic and who understand the aspect of you know both telepathic connection with ets but also the abduction phenomena past life experiences with ets there's a lot wrapped up in this topic and so this episode is going to be such a fun one. I think if you are interested in this topic, or if you're just curious, you're going to get lots of valuable information. Uh, This is a two-part conversation. So tune in for the second one after this. This is part one with Barbara Lamb. And Sinead, do you want to share a little bit about who Barbara is and why, why we had her on?
1: Well, Barbara, first of all, is just such a lovely person. You know, we were both commenting on the warm, uh, friendly, open, intelligent energy that she brings. I just really enjoyed being in her presence. But also, she's a hugely respected, uh, widely respected past life regressionist. And she's seen, I think, as being quite an icon. You know, she's been doing this for a very long time, 44 years, and uh, has really made all of this, her life's work, her life's path, her life's passion, it has infused her personal life It's not just a job to her. And she's had her own ET experiences and her own guidance to going towards this profession. And that's just fascinating to hear about. So she tells us so many incredible stories about things that she'd experienced herself, things that she experienced with clients in session, and what she learned from the extraterrestrials, from our star family and friends about what is going on for us humans on Earth, what we're doing here, why we're here, what our purpose is, you know, essentially what we need to learn. And uh, it's just, it's, it's amazing talking to someone who is so seasoned and so knowledgeable and so um, totally grounded in their understanding of what is going on and can communicate it with such detail. It was really a special experience
2: it
0: really was. I, I get emotional in the conversation and, you know, the audience will see that, that, you know, there were moments that were deeply touching for me, you know, just hearing her perspective and hearing, um, a really holistic and balanced and positive perspective on the phenomena. Right. And, and after 40 some years of this work, she's gained this this zoomed out perspective, right, of what's going on that can really help us just integrate, you know, a a new understanding of what this is and to, to approach it from a place of, um openness and curiosity rather than from a place of fear and you know we talk about her own experiences cuz she didn't talk about them for a long time she still doesn't a ton and 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 I think it'll be really eye opening for the audience to not only hear about her origin story and like how she got started you know in the 60s and 70s you know back when Dolores Cannon was also starting this work and how she you know, moved through her career in a way with openness, with curiosity, but then at certain points of time started to have some of her own experiences.
1: Yes, she talks about, um, early on in her career, I think this was in the 70s or perhaps the 80s, I can't remember, uh, unfortunately, but the audience will hear it, that she talks about, okay, I I know I wanna be in psychotherapy, I know I want to involve hypnosis because apparently I'm a natural at it. She brings that up early in the conversation. Um, But how am I gonna use this to help my patients? She ends up going to an event that was something about psychic development or past life regression. And uh, the woman who leads the talk or the the workshop, at the end of it, she says, okay, everyone. So there's another last note I would just like to bring up. You may, from time to time, experience people coming to your office who are telling stories about unusual or frightening or confusing experiences with beings that do not look human. And kind of gives people advice on how to handle that. And Barbara's immediate response was, well that's interesting but then and can't connect to it personally but then here is this very loud clear voice in her head say to her barbara pay attention you're going to be doing this <laughs> <laughs> and she had no uh you know previous leanings toward that whatsoever but sure enough that did end up happening and she ends up having patients just appearing at her office more and more who are telling about these kinds of stories and honestly when I was having my own experiences, it never occurred to me to go to a past life regressionist or or go to a therapist to ask for help about that. It didn't even cross my mind. I just automatically assumed that I'd be seen as being nutty and, you know, probably medication would be offered to me, but she's somebody who I wish everyone had access to, because if I had had a Barbara in my life at that time, it would have been so immensely comforting being able to get such verifiable information from such an expert and someone who comes across with, you know, she just embodies her knowledge. You can see it in her and with such a warm heart as well. I think everybody should have their own Barbara.
0: I agree. And we do now we're getting regressions with Barbara. So, um, I'm getting my second regression here in a couple of weeks and I'm excited to dive a little deeper on some of my experiences and we'll, we'll come back and share, share about that with you all so that you are hearing about our journey transparently. If you're, if you're curious about regression, you've never experienced it yourself. You've never um, seen videos of it. We do have a few clips on the YouTube channel of of my regression that happened so you can hear what that's like and what some of the information was that was coming through me um but we're excited to to go deeper with barbara and you know with her years of experience you know i feel very safe with her and and there are some things that you know i didn't explore in my previous regression that i think i'm ready for you know because our su- subconscious will only unlock and release our higher self, you know, will only unlock and release the information we're ready for at the time, right? Mm-hmm. So that we're not creating any additional trauma for ourselves that's unnecessary. And so, um, so you know, I'm reflecting on just the timing of this too, you know, for both of us, Sinead, how the timing seems really interesting given where we're at on our journey now doing this work and being in a place to more than likely, integrate more information if there's more substantial information that, that wants to true.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially considering that we just did our road trip, which we're going to talk about in a future episode, uh, along the ancient star shrines and chakra lines of the, in, you know, the indigenous land, the ancient indigenous land through Arizona and part of, I think part of Colorado, but mainly through Arizona. Um, that really opened me up. And then I had uh, my first regression with Geraldine Roscoe recently, where I felt like I, it was my first one. I wasn't really able to get deep enough. And so my second regression is with Barbara next week, and yours is the week after. And I am so psyched for that. I cannot wait. I have the feeling this is your second, it's my second. We're both going to be able to go deeper, maybe get some answers and just. I can't wait. It's going to be like, I I know it's going to be unlike anything I've had happen before. So if anyone listening has had a past life regression, if you'd like to share about it in the notes of this, um, you know, in the comments of this video on YouTube, please, by all means, do. We really want you guys to share with each other as well as with us. And we really love hearing from you about your personal life experiences and your thoughts and questions. So I think on that note, Jenna, let's just jump into it with our part one of Barbara, Don't forget, everybody, wait for the part two. It is just really, really wonderful. Barbara is something else. She's a special, special person. And uh, she's in her 80s. So we don't know how much longer we're going to have her around for. This is a great opportunity to grab a chance for a great conversation, to listen to a great conversation with her. So please, please like and subscribe and share with your friends and family. Share with your colleagues at work if you feel brave. I don't know. Just share. We really want to spread the word about what's going on here on Earth and we want to help you, and we want you to be part of what we're creating here. So come and join us again. We love having you around, and we can't wait for you to hear this this interview with Barbara. It is absolutely fantastic.
0: It really is. This this is some paradigm-busting stuff, so enjoy it, and we'll see you in the part two. Hi, everyone. We are here today with Barbara Lamb, and we are so, so excited to be talking with you, Barbara. Barbara is uh, someone we look up to very much so because of her years and years of research in the field of regression, hypnotic regression, and her research on ET contact. And we just can't wait to get into this conversation and learn from you, Barbara. Thank you for being here. How are you today? Oh, I'm fine and thank
2: you very much. What a pleasure.
1: We're so glad to have you here Barbara. You're just an icon and also being a female leader in the field is something we like to highlight because it really is a male-dominated field so we always love when we have a powerful wise woman such as yourself and we've really been looking forward to this this interview so much because of the depth and, depth and breadth of your work which is so expansive and um, not the usual kind of hypnosis that people are used to hearing about. So right. maybe we can start with how you first got onto this path. That's often where we like to start with these conversations, is you know, Thank your earliest memory of something unusual or something different, something that made you suddenly go, Hmm, life is not quite what I thought. When did that first start for right? you?
2: <laughs> well, um actually when I was a very, very young child. I used to uh, sometimes touch something physical, like touch a wall, let's say, and then think, you know, this isn't all there is. In other words, I I was thinking the material world, um, although I didn't think that phrase when I was really little, but as far as I can remember, I'd think, you know, this house and and this wall and this car, these material things are not all that there is. And I didn't know what I meant by that. Uh, I just knew there was a lot more that that nobody was talking about. And if I ever mentioned anything like that to my parents, they'd say, well, uh, no, I mean, I, I don't know what you mean. You know, and so anyway, I've always had a curiosity about reality, although I didn't think of it in those particular words, you know, when I was very young. Uh, but anyway, I, I grew up and I always knew that I wanted to be helpful to people. And I didn't know how that was. And so I went through college and uh, was a philosophy major trying to figure out this thing about reality. Oh, and um and then I had a couple of jobs after college and was married and had three children and so forth. Grew up and then eventually um, I became licensed as a psychotherapist. That was back in the mid-1970s. And that I was so delighted to find that path of work. And I did regular psychotherapy for a number of years. And I found that Um, sometimes with certain people I was uh, sort of inspired to lead them into a state of deep relaxation. What I didn't realize at the time was that I was really doing hypnosis but I just called it deep relaxation and I was doing a lot of movement work. I was actually all through the late 1960s and 70s and early 80s I was Doing a lot of dance therapy work. Part of that involved um, having the people after moving a lot, um, have them get into a state of deep relaxation. And it turned out to be very, very therapeutic. So those were the things I was working with and working with uh, doing a lot of workshops where I would have people exploring things like sending energy and receiving energy while moving with music on. And we had some really incredible experiences uh, with large groups of people, maybe 200 people at a time. And um, I mean, people would say, wow, this is amazing. I've never experienced anything like this. So that was really my passion doing things like that. And also the sit down therapy sessions. Well, it was pointed out to me eventually that I I was doing hypnosis. And I thought, well, if I really am doing hypnosis, I really ought to be trained in it. I mean, I ought to really know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I um, took a couple of courses of general hypnosis. Uh, Those courses did not really include regression. I think they mentioned uh, hypnotic regression, but they didn't teach it. But um, in the mid-1980s, I heard about the Association for Past Life Research and Therapies, which fortunately happened to have their center um, about 45 minutes' drive from My house in California. Well, that's a fun synchronicity. (laughs) Yes. And so I met uh, lots of other uh, therapists, excellent therapists. I was very impressed who were occasionally at least uh, doing past life therapy regressions. And I had had before that on a couple of trips one was to Peru and one was to uh, Egypt, or actually two trips to Egypt during which time at each locate each place i had a few what i came to call spontaneous past life recalls in other words i'd be in a certain location and i'd suddenly have this big memory coming up it seemed like a memory and not just my imagination mm-hmm. and the memory would be very detailed about the kind of person I was, male or female, and um, skin color and position in life and um, what I was mostly doing in that particular lifetime at that location where in this lifetime I was actually visiting. And so some of these spontaneous past life recalls were full of really strong emotion. And I, you know, came back from those two trips thinking, you know, we it really must be that we have a whole long, long series of lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Whereas before I had those experiences, I've had, of course, heard of reincarnation, but I didn't really think it was real. I thought it was sort of a quaint belief that certain people in India and other locations had, uh, but I didn't really put any reality to it. But after having those spontaneous memories um, of myself as a different person in previous lifetimes, I, I started taking it seriously. So I went for that training and took the past life therapy training for five years through the mid to late 1980s. And then at the very last module of training, the trainer woman, whom I respected tremendously, said at the beginning of that module of training, she said, those of you who are doing regression work need to know that it's possible that at some time someone will come to you with a complaint of having been visited by some very unusual beings who are not human, and perhaps even taken away for a while. And they might be very confused, um, even very distressed, in some cases traumatized, in certain cases, delighted in other cases. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is real and somebody might come to you for that reason. Well, I had never heard of that before. I'd heard of UFOs. I'd seen a couple of UFO movies like Close Encounters of the Third Kind and E.T. Loved both of those movies, but thought it was all science fiction. Mm. But this got my attention. Not only did the trainer say that, which I have just said to you, but right after she said that, I heard a big voice in my head and it wasn't my voice. And the voice said very emphatically and loudly, pay attention to this, Barbara. You will be doing this.
0: Wow. You
2: will be working with people who have had these experiences with these unusual beings. Well, I was absolutely stunned. I was stunned because of what the trainer had said, that some people are having these experiences. And might want regressions to find out more details. And then this insistent voice telling me to pay attention because I will be doing that.
0: Do you know where that voice was coming
2: from, like now years later? No, not, not really. I mean, I can make some guesses. I can guess it's my higher self. Um, that's, that's a pretty logical one to think of. But I think it had something to do with the beings. Mm -hmm. And I'll say that because there have been so many instances since then that when I've been regressing somebody to an extraterrestrial experience that they've had, um, that the beings sometimes talk to me during the regression. So I think that it was one of them who said, pay attention to this, Barbara, you will be doing this. So anyway, it took me three years from that time uh, to try to find out about the UFO phenomenon and extraterrestrial encounters and decide for myself if I thought this was really real. And I concluded, after hearing different speakers and reading various things, I concluded that yeah, I guess this must be really happening for some people.
1: What was convincing you? Like what was the what did you find? What information did you find or, you know, who was it that helped you feel like yes, this is real? Because you could have read all of that and been like, ah, eh, you know, but there would have had to be something that was very convincing. What stood out to you?
2: Yes, well, I think the most convincing thing was that um in those years, the 1980s, early nineties, I was um going twice a year to a big uh, conference forum called the Whole Life Expo. Uh, And at the Whole Life Expo, I found myself uh, being drawn to listening to the speakers uh, who were talking about their work uh, with extraterrestrial experiencers. And so, in other words, I heard Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs and John Mack. and um, I it was pretty convincing to me what they were talking about. They were already doing this work mm. and um, they gave so many details, so much information that I I it all added up during that three years uh, until a point when I thought, yeah, you know I think I think this must really be happening to some people even though nobody I knew anywhere was talking about it, you know, which is something I was looking into on my own. Mm -hmm. And then one morning in 1991, I just love this. uh, One morning I was taking a shower and that's a good thinking time for me. And I was, I found myself thinking, you know, now that I think, those things are really happening. Extraterrestrial beings are really visiting some people and taking them away for a while. Um, And now I think that I could handle it if anyone would ever come to me for that reason, Uh, because I could just use the same regression techniques. I had already at that point uh, had seven years of experience of guiding people into past life regressions or earlier in this life regressions in some cases. Wow. Um, so I thought I could use the same methods if if anybody did. I didn't really think anybody would come, but I was just thinking, yeah, if, if, if that happens, I don't have to worry about it. I think I could manage that with the regression work I already know how to do. Mm. So... Two hours later, after thinking that in the shower, <laughs> I was in a metaphysical bookstore, and the woman behind the counter somehow recognized me. I don't know why or how, but she said, oh, aren't you, Barbara Lamb, don't you do regression work? And I was surprised, and I said, yes. And she said, oh, would you please work with my 21-year-old daughter, who is so traumatized by having these unusual visitors in her room at night and like they're taking her away and all kinds of things are happening very frequently and she's dropped out of college she's dropped out of her part-time job and uh, she's wants to sleep between me and my husband at night uh, because she's so terrified of being alone and having these beings come so anyway i agreed to work with her and um
1: two hours later wow <laughs> yeah
2: you know, is it i mean so that just showed me that this is right that kind of synchronicity yeah. <laughs> um, the, okay this this is definitely what i'm supposed to be doing so um uh i did work with that young woman and it seemed to be very successful uh, we had six sessions six regressions and then she came in one day and said, "Ah, huh, guess what? I'm going to be moving with my boyfriend away from my parents, and we're going to be having we're going to be renting a little a little cottage, a little cabin out in the canyon behind where we all lived. And I said, "Well, you know that's wonderful, but you know that's wilderness there. And um you're probably going to continue to have visits from these other beings." And she said, yes, I know. And that's okay. Oh, wow. She had
0: gotten to a place uh, where she felt really comfortable with this contact.
2: Yeah. I mean, that she had become not only comfortable with it, but realizing that there were some real gifts with it, Mm -hmm. some advantages. For instance, in one of the regressions, she went back to an experience where she had a A vicious ear infection. And in the regression, we went through the experience of her lying in bed that night hurting like the Dickens. And that suddenly there were three tall, white, very white beings there. They rolled her over on her side and they were working with her ear. She could feel it. She was in sort of a semi- awake state but she could roll her eyes around and see that the beings in these long hands long fingers were coming she could feel it they're doing something in her ear anyway they healed that vicious infection and she went on back to sleep perfectly comfortably and the infection uh remained non-existent after that and she had also been healed during the daytime um, when she and her sister had been riding along in a car uh, during the late afternoon. And they noticed that there was a blue beam of light coming in through the back window of the car. And then they noticed that the car motor was starting to sort of peter out. Mm -hmm. So they pulled off the road and they jumped out and there was a field right there. So they ran into the field. We're running across the field. And my client realized that there was this blue beam of light that was following her and hitting her in her lower back, where, by the way, she had been having considerable back pain and had not been able to get any help for it. So she stopped running. Her sister kept running, but she stopped, ah, just sort of bathed. In the warmth of this blue beam of light. And as she did that, the pain was getting less and less and less until it was completely gone. Then the two girls went back out of the field and into their car and drove on to do whatever they had been setting out to do. So that healing twice by these beings um, really impressed her. And she realized that they, through the regressions, realized that even when they would take her away, uh, they wouldn't do anything terrible to her. And that, that the whole thing was really okay. Even th- that she had been presented one time with a, hu- a hybrid baby mm-hmm. and told her that it was her baby. Mm-hmm. So combined with their material. So um, anyway, that, that was a great start. And wow. then then I thought, well if anyone else ever should choose to come for that kind of reason, having experiences with these other beings, now I know for sure I can really work effectively with that. And I didn't necessarily expect that anybody else would come, but about four months later, um, another lady came for that purpose. Then a month later, another one, and another one, and another one. And so that was 1991. And by 1994, um, I realized that I was uh, working with 17 different people uh, who were having these experiences. That that means I wasn't working with them necessarily every week, but on occasion. And then uh, one of these people said, you know, this is so fascinating, really. And I'm not afraid of it anymore. And I I want to know if other people are having these things. I said, oh, yes, there are. And some of them are finding their way to me. And she said, well, could I meet some of them? So I I quickly thought, sort of counted up on my fingers, well, I have 17 people I'm working with currently who are all having these kinds of encounters. Experiences with extraterrestrials, so I got together a group in my living room, and that was 1994. So that was my my very first experiencer group, and I continued that group until I moved away from there in uh, 2017. Mm-hmm. So we had all of those years with some of those people, and then occasionally a new person would find me and. I would regress them and realize, yeah, that this person's an experiencer and uh, would qualify to be in this group. So that was wonderful. And then around 1995, I had been going to the uh, really huge conferences, the International UFO Congress conferences. And I decided, you know, part of the conferences... Um, of which are focused mostly around the subject of UFOs. There are a lot of people here at these conferences who are having encounter experiences. Mm -hmm. So I convinced the conveners of the conference to let me run an experiencer support group. And the very first day we offered it, there were 50 people Oh wow. <laughs> who signed up, who came to that group. And, and that has continued since then. So um for many years at that particular conference until just recently, um, I led the experiencer support groups. And then other conferences began to hear about this, other UFO conferences, and would ask me to lead the support groups there. So so anyway, that's been a very rich experience in the sense that I've heard from so many people, even many people I've not had the opportunity to do regressions with, and then, oh, it's been 2,500 or more, the number keeps increasing, um, of people whom I have done regressions with to their extraterrestrial encounters. So Many, some people have had many regressions. One lady had 60 to her lifelong of extraterrestrial encounters. And um, so it's, it's almost 5,000 regressions that I've conducted to people's extraterrestrial experiences. So there is a huge amount of beings, number one, different kinds of beings and they all have their own agendas yes <laughs> some of them seem to be very positive agendas from our point of view some of them seem to be more self serving and we and people do not like them so much like physical exams and poking probing and so forth but even with those experiences very often we discover in the regression to the person's surprise, that there's been a healing as part of that experience. In other words, the, the, the beings have a way of knowing about all the systems of our bodies and how they're functioning. I think they have much more uh, wonderful diagnostic abilities than we humans have with each other. Um, Anyway, when they discover that there's something wrong in the person's body, very often they will go ahead and heal it right then and there. And um, so there have been lots and lots of descriptions of the healing process uh, from different people who have experienced that. And then sometimes when the beings discover there's something wrong with the person, uh, they will bring it to that person's attention. Mm. For instance, they'll say, well, you may not have been aware of it, but you have a problem with your liver. We suggest that when you go home, you go to your doctor and ask him to check your liver. And when people have done that, check the part that they've been warned was not functioning well, it's true. They really did have a problem with that particular organ. Barbara? So yeah. Have
0: you found that that's something that is being delivered directly to you in the regression from the beings, or something that's being remembered from a memory of being on a ship or being with the beings previously?
2: It, well, first of all, in the regression, it's as close as we can possibly get to reliving that experience of the visitors coming, right, being taken, how they're taken, what they're taken to, which usually seems to be a ship in the air, high up. And, um, and then they're, they experience it moment by moment by moment as if it is happening now. So when they're on a medical table with the beings around, and the beings are either doing something or talking to them. The person is the person being regressed, um, is mentioning all of these details as they are happening. So it's as if I'm hearing the being saying, I'm not really hearing them, right. I'm just hearing the person repeating it, okay. but it's almost as if I'm hearing what the beings are saying. To the person, right? Okay. Very often it happens. um, This is very common that when a person is on a medical table on the ship and being examined, poked, probed, etc., and if I say, "Do you want to know what they're doing or why they're doing this?" and the the person being regressed usually will say. Yes, yes, I would like to know. And I say, well, you can ask them. And you can ask them in your mind, just with your thoughts, or you can ask them out loud, whichever you, you choose. And they will ask you to, they ask just in their mind. And, and then there's a moment of silence or so, a few, few moments. And then they'll repeat what they heard the being say to them, yeah. like... Uh, we have been suspecting that you have something unusual with your blood, and we're testing for that. That mm-hmm. would be an example, mm-hmm. or they'll tell whatever else they're doing, or we're here to fix your spleen because we know that there's been an infection, or we've detected uh, that there's an infection in your spleen. So once the person hears what's going on and that it's really for their benefit oh that makes all the difference in the world
0: at star family wisdom we're experiencers of et contact that's right we're in communication with et beings we know as our star family We've had lives in advanced civilizations, and we're here to be a bridge between the galactic community and you, and the galactic community can't wait to meet you. That's why we created the Meet the Star Races course. In this course, I teach you about the star races who are in contact with earth right now. How do I know who the star races are? Well, my star family guided me to the information they want you to have just like all of the other information here at Star Family Wisdom, we bring you the wisdom and guidance that our ET friends want you to know. You'll learn about our true ancient history, why the ETs have been here on earth, and what we can learn from our ET brothers and sisters. The star races are part of our history and they're part of our future. Join the Galactic community today with our Meet the Star Races course and use the code GALACTIC at checkout to get 50% off.
1: You're touching on so many, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's so much to talk about just from how we're just starting off this interview. But um, one of the biggest topics that we like to explore on this podcast and in our content at Star Family Wisdom as well is addressing fear, right? Addressing fear and um, fears that we are conditioned to have in just our so-called regular 3D existence, but sure. also fear when it comes to experiences and direct contact or, you know, whatever is co- occurring in someone's life that they can't make sense of that is paranormal, quote unquote. Right. So. Can you talk a little bit about because you're reminding me a lot of um, the research that, for example, Ray Hernandez has done, where he's collected huge numbers of data, huge amounts of data from people that have had ET experiences specifically, and right. it's the same thing as what you said—that you know the majority of them, when they review their experience with someone, with the support of someone who's in a position of knowledge and to help them guide to help guide through that experience and get them over the trauma of it. Right. They they usually realize that their initial experience was fearful, but the end result is actually beneficial. So, yes. can you talk? Can you talk a little bit about, um, I guess, the presence of fear and how you see fear operating in all of this? Because you were mentioning also that there are some beings who are who have positive intentions, some that don't there are people who have fearful responses when they don't need to have a fearful response. It seems like it's a very complex and very interesting dynamic. So can you, can you talk about that? Yeah.
2: Well, first of all, I completely understand that if you're asleep at night, any, anybody, if you were asleep at night and, um, and then suddenly you wake up, there's something that's awakening you and you're aware of, either a bright light coming in through the window, this is very typical, mm-hmm. or beings coming in through the window or beings there in the room with you. And I mean, it would be startling enough if they were human beings. Absolutely. <laughs> but naturally go into fear. What's going to happen? What are they here for? But when you consider also that these beings are clearly not human. And they're very unusual looking from our point of view. And many people don't have any idea what they are. More and more people now are hearing about these things. Mm -hmm. So if it would happen to them, they'd think, oh, it must be the extraterrestrials or the aliens, as many people call them. But if you don't know anything about that at all, and then suddenly here are these unusual looking beings right there in your room, in your private place that you had considered safe and yours. And you had no idea how they even got in or what they're there for. And they look so different.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I think the unknown factor is a big, big part of the fear as, as well as that there's suddenly they're there in their environment. What are they here for? What's going to happen? You know, who are they? What are, what are they going to do? Right. And so, oh, it's so understandable that 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 is extremely frightening to people. Mm-hmm. And even the most loving beings in the world, and some very loving ones do come to many people. Um, even then, it's it's the shock. It's the suddenness, the surprise that you didn't negotiate this, mm-hmm. that you know of, <laughs> you yes. didn't invite this, you didn't expect this. I mean, what what's going on? So many people um, wake up and there's a being, or maybe more than one, and uh, the being seems to be sort of glowing, um, in some cases even sort of semi-transparent. And, and, and it's, the being looks rather beautiful uh, because of this glow, this, this energy. And so it's not like a ghoulish, you know, gargoyle sort of figure. Right. Uh, it would be quite a beautiful figure. It might look fairly human in, in some instances, and yet, sort of, as they say, semi transparent and, and glowing so it's very puzzling but with these very very positive beings who come people often you know they have this startle effect and they shock and yet the more they look the more they realize oh oh i guess it's all right i don't know what's going on but i guess it's all right because this is such a lovely being it seems so peaceful and so harmless. And then of course, a peaceful, harmless experience happens after that. But some of the beings are not very wonderful to look at from our point of view.
0: Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of diversity in the universe we have come to find out.
2: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I, I often think, you know, that they look, some of them look pretty strange to us. But can you imagine how we must look to them? <laughs> yeah. You Yeah. I often.
1: So it's a funny story that um, I was working with Grant Cameron for a couple of years. And he, he told me the story once that he'd heard from someone who had said um, that one of their beings who they had a very friendly, ongoing relationship with, they would have conversations with this being. And it was not a fear-based situation for them at all. But this being was like, well, how do you exactly the same thing? How do you think you look to us? You know, you've got all those teeth, like it's horrifying.
2: Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> that's- I had an experience once back in the very early 1990s. And it was when I was just kind of getting into this work. I was at a conference in Laramie, Wyoming. And it was, let's see, they were called the Rocky Mountain conference on UFO investigations, put on by wonderful Leo Sprinkle, who unfortunately is no longer with us. He was an early pioneer in this work. Anyway, I was in a little plane, like a little commuter plane from Laramie, Wyoming, to Denver, Colorado, to come back to California. And in that little plane, there were two things that happened that were so strange. One of them was that I had a window seat in this little plane, and I noticed that, oh, maybe about 20 or 30 feet out from my window of the plane, in other words, right next to us, was a a thin, black, completely black cloud. And I noticed, as I kept looking out the window, that little black cloud was following us. I thought, well, that's strange. I mean, a black cloud. And it, by the way, it was a clear, sunny day with blue skies. No other clouds in sight, but here was this black cloud. <laughs> and it was following us. And I thought, well, that's really weird. And then we, we had to cut, kind of curve around to land at Denver and walk down the outside stairs and walk across the tarmac to get into the terminal. And when I got into, the, and, and I felt kind of weird. I don't know what kind of weird, but it just sort of felt strange. And then I walked into the terminal and I was absolutely shocked because it was as if I was seeing a terminal full of human beings for the first time. I was something different. Oh, wow. And it had something to do with that black cloud. Sure, For sure. So I was not me. I was a different being from somewhere else. And as I walked through the turmoil, I was just undone, overcome with the density Mm. of that environment and the heaviness of these human beings. And the variety, everyone looked different, different kind of clothing, different faces, different skin tones, different hair. And, and then all the stuff that they had with them, you know, carry on suitcases and bags and water bottles. And, and some were children and some were adults. And I walked through the crowd to get through that terminal to the other terminal where my plane would take me back to California. And all the way through, I was just almost bowled over as if seeing these humans for the first time from the point of view of not being a human. And I mean, it was just overwhelming. Oh, and the smells, wow. the different scents of all these people.
1: Did your own body feel different to you?
2: Yes.
0: It's like, it's like you were tapping into another aspect of yourself, like the ET aspect of yourself that was maybe in that cloud on that ship. Like, that's what it makes me think of that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you were like having this almost like by location kind of experience where all of a sudden, yeah, you were perceiving all of this from this other point of view, this other being out there.
2: It could be that, or it could be that another being from that black cloud came it yeah. resided temporarily, it didn't go oh. on further, um, within my body. Now, what I didn't do while walking through the terminal and pass all these groups of people, what I didn't do was look down and see what my body looked like.
1: That was wow. my next question.
2: Yeah. I certainly felt different. And um, so anyway, that was a remarkable experience, seeing human beings, a whole big, I mean, hundreds of them, you know, for the first time and just being overwhelmed and the the sounds, the noises, because those human beings were talking.
0: (laughs) And this went on for a little while. Like this wasn't a, just a, a quick kind of spontaneous experience like this. It's, it sounds like it went on the entire time you were walking through the terminal.
2: It probably went on for at least 10 minutes. Wow. wow. And, then, and then there was sort of an, um, an open area without many people. a few people walking, but nobody sitting down in groups like that. And then I, I got to the other terminal And by the time I'd gotten through that open terminal area, I felt more like me and and gradually Mm. more and more. And then I sat there at my boarding gate and waited and oh, wow, I'm me, I'm me now. But that was amazing. Yeah. Has that ever happened
0: since then, or was that the only time that sort of experience has happened?
2: No, I think that's the only time. Okay. Did you? Or if it had. I yeah. don't kind of, I mean, I've never heard
1: directly from someone before having that kind of experience. I mean, Mark Sims, for example, was inhabited by Tejbar, right? But that was more of hello, my name is Tashwar, I would like to come into your body. And then there's, you know, there's a, a sort of conversation where Mark agreed to let Tajvar come in and then he stayed in his body for 13 days, but it was this wow. ongoing, yeah, uh, he's, he had this incredible experience. That's another conversation, but yeah. I just using that as an example because it was a, it was a hello, knock, knock, can I come in kind of thing? And yes, you can. Okay, now we're going to work together. But for you, this was purely spontaneous.
2: And oh, just yes. Funny. No hello, no goodbye. (laughs) It was just, I was different. Now, I must not have looked like one of those beings because I say that because I didn't notice anybody looking at me strangely, like, oh my God, what's that? You know, um, that didn't happen. But in fact, I don't think anybody looked at me at all but i certainly was looking at them well and we
0: hear we hear stories of beings taking human form and walking among us not just you know the hybrid phenomena but actually you know right. embodying a human just to experience earth and to come you know see what it's like <laughs> have you encountered m- many of those instances in your regression cases is that something you've explored much of
2: uh, not so much uh, one of them taking our form, um, but definitely it's been expressed many times by the beings that, mm-hmm. uh, that they are extremely interested in us. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, being very interested in planet Earth and um, very interested in all the incredible amount of life forms that we have. In fact, one... Extraterrestrial who used to channel through one of my clients, and I got to talk to him through the channeling many, many, many times for a period of about eleven years, and um, he said that planet Earth has more life forms on it that is, you know, not only human, animal, reptile, uh, fish, uh, mammals in the ocean, but plant life and and. German, everything. We have more species and subspecies and genus and so forth put together than all of the other planets that have life put together. Wow. So there are a planet, there are plenty of other planets that have life, but not so many forms of life. That was also channeled
0: through one of Dolores Cannon's clients. So that's consistent information that has come through a few cases. And I I think that speaks to how special our planet is and how they are trying to wake us up to understand how, how beautiful it is that we get to experience this. I'm sure you, I mean, you did hear a lot about that in your, in, in these cases and meet the hybrids book, Barbara wrote a ton about, um, you know, what hybrid humans have yep. learned from their star family maybe you can share a little bit about that with us and for the audience yep. to, to hear hear a bit about some of those i guess more positive uplifting messages that have come through these
2: experiences oh yes i will but i also uh, just want to add that um not only do we have so many more species here on earth than all of the other planets put together um but many, many of these different species of extraterrestrials claim that they help to seed us, mm-hmm. They help to create us as the human beings that we are. It wasn't just one group, yeah. but it was uh, various groups. You know, we hear often about the Anunnaki mm-hmm. having come and created us from by adding certain DNA to earlier life forms like Hominid, uh, ape, life forms, um, and there may very well have been that, but but there are other groups that claim that they help to seed us too, to um, tinker with our DNA and to make us the beings that we are now. So in a sense, it's almost like we're their children, mm-hmm. or yeah. they consider they consider us as their children, and they want to know how we're doing. So here we've got this incredible planet, unlike any other planet in existence, Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and we were partly them. So they're very, very interested, and some of them are more scientifically interested in us, and that's why many people experience that they're Put on a medical table and they're kind of examined and poked and probed and so forth. Um, And those beings who do that sort of work often seem to be just very um, uh, hard hearted in the sense of just very scientific. Mm -hmm. They don't show emotion, they don't show caring, Uh, they just are trying to learn what they can learn about us. And then there are other beings who do a lot of that same work and yet do healing work, do work to help us. And um, so by the way, when a person is on the ship and on a medical table, uh, they there usually is a variety of beings around that table, all contributing to doing the work or in some cases learning like medical interns would learn from a surgeon, for instance. And um, so there, there's just lots that that can happen on that medical table. And then I must hasten to say that many people have experiences where they're taken on a ship, and it has nothing to do whatsoever with being on a medical table. Mm-hmm. Just all kinds of experiences that happen. And some of them are really very interesting and welcomed uh, to the people being taken for them, uh, such as classes, uh, children Mm -hmm. uh, to classes on the ship. And they learn wonderful skills that they never would learn here. Uh, Like, for instance, how to uh, know what each other are thinking Mm -hmm. or send thoughts just with their thinking and have them received accurately uh, by the other children, Or how to do teleportation. That's one of the most fun things for the kids. Is that they learn. They sit around a circle on a floor. And usually there's one or two extraterrestrial adults. Of different heights. Different types. um, With them. And sometimes some uh, extraterrestrial children. Are in that group as well. And And hybrid children too. And uh, so they practice moving things with their mind, like there'll be a little feather in the middle of the circle that they're sitting around on the floor. And it'll be this side of the circle turn to just focus on that feather and move it with their minds, move it across the circle. And then it's their turn to move the feather back. And then they'll go to something a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier, like A piece of paper and then when they can move that one maybe it'll be a piece of cardboard Mm. Uh, and then it'll get heavier and heavier as they become more and more astute at actually moving these objects and then uh, um, some kids have even gotten to the fact where they can take um, like a basketball sitting in the middle of the circle and roll that just with their minds, not touching anything, not moving at all, just rolling it with their minds. And then even um, I've had one child say, we actually were able to lift that ball up and throw it in the air across the circle. <laughs> the kids sitting on the other side of the circle. So, I mean, that's getting pretty darned accomplished. Yes. Yeah. So, so adults too, um, don't sit on the floor around a circle, but they very often are taught a lot of psychic skills too. Uh, psychometry and teleportation and um, all kinds of wonderful skills that we know that some humans have. And probably most humans don't have, but um, people who are taken for these experiences often are taught and coached. Oh, and they're also uh, taught healing skills in many cases. And um, that's wonderful. And they come back and they become healers. So some of the, um, a few of the clients I was working with quite frequently in the 1990s Um, They actually left their corporate jobs or business jobs, whatever they were, um, and opened up a healing clinic because of the healing techniques that they had learned by the extraterrestrials. So I think that that's, that's very impressive and very wonderful. Absolutely that.
1: amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And actually the parental aspect of what you're talking about, how uh, there are beings who feel sort of parental towards us, right? They want to monitor yeah. our, our development physically, psychically, otherwise, they want to encourage our evolution. It um that's that's something I'm interested in from a purely selfish vantage point because both Jenna and I have had this experience that when we have our communication, it always comes with a distinctly kind of parental feeling, at least for me, it does. It comes with this very kind, very loving, very firm yeah. presence mm-hmm. and voice where it's, it's, you know, it's always with this feeling of love and guidance, like, a, like you would get from a parent. So also, but also, I mean,
0: but also yeah. from the standpoint of We are here to learn our lessons and do our work. Right. And that, and, and, and that there, you know, there's like a limited, you know, interference that will happen there. Right. Like in a parental way where sometimes it's like being guided and directed to go learn the lesson you're supposed to learn you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, don't forget to do your homework, you know, you haven't done your chores. Yeah. So this rise of, of children, you know, these new crystal children or indigo children or more sensitive children that are being born embodied in this world. You must be seeing more of that, Barbara, because I know you, you've been working more with children and um, developing books for them and materials and tools that children can use here on earth in the 3D. Can you talk right. a little bit about that? I really love that aspect of what you're doing.
0: Okay, that was an awesome part 1 with Barbara. We're really getting into it, but part 2 is even better. So, if you're if you're liking it and you love Barbara, come back for part 2. We get into some really cool conversation about kids and their experiences with ETs. We spill the beans on Barbara's Incognito role in Dolores Cannon's book The Custodians. So, there's there's a lot of fun stuff in part 2.
1: Yes, we dig a little deeper with Barbara on the personal side and ask her questions about her own experiences, which she doesn't often talk about. And I love that she's leaning towards children, encouraging people to understand that there's a new wave of births happening on Earth, more than one wave, really, at these Indigo children, starseed children, psychic children, whatever you want to call them, who are coming into the world and are part of what we're going to be doing next, and Barbara is encouraging that. So if you're interested in what's happening in the new world on Earth, if you just love Barbara and what you heard in part one, like we did, join us again for part two. She really has amazing things to say from her 44 years of experience.
0: And if you are curious about those waves of souls coming into earth and why there are so many people having these experiences, go check out our episode, The Three Waves of Volunteers, where I dissect Dolores Cannon's book, The Three Waves of Volunteers. And that helps give a little background as to what's going on here and then some of what we talk about with Barbara.
1: Yes, it'll definitely help you develop a deeper and more enriched understanding. And as always, like, subscribe, share with your friends, share with your family, and come back for more, because when you're not here, we miss you. So come (laughs) back, share your thoughts and ideas and questions with us, and be part of our growing community. We really want to make change happen here on this world, and this conversation is part of it.
0: Thanks, everyone. We'll see you for part two. See
1: you for part two.